there's a lot of property investors actually giving up their property investment. Perhaps when they bought the property, they weren't really across the numbers that they needed to have to support the asset. Uh, perhaps they were too negatively geared, but actually a lot of the property going to market at the moment is property investors who arguably as well uh, see property investment as something discretionary as an add-on to their world. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show is a code cracker. We're going to dig into housing, the theory of everything. I hope that ends up being the name of the show. You never know with my back-end team, they're a wild bunch back there. But uh, I do think today I want to talk to you about the idea that real estate is actually connected to just about everything in society, whether it's buying a car, buying a television, uh, whether it's having a family. Housing ultimately is a concept whereby you can actually determine it to be the theory of everything. So if it is the theory of everything, what actually next for real estate? What signals am I seeing which connects the idea that housing is really connected to what we earn, uh, how we live, where we live, and of course, uh, some of the blueprint behind what is actually going to happen next inside Australian real estate. Are there some things I'm seeing inside this concept being real estate is actually connected to the theory of everything around uh some of the signals which are coming out through the marketplace. So let's dig into that. Does that sound confusing? I hope not, but uh, welcome back, you urban property investors. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're living the dream. I'm certainly living the dream. I'm going on a little three-day weekend. Yes, Uh, my wife and I are going panning for gold. Can you believe it? Yes, we're going to go down to a gold area where there's a river, and you sit on the bed of the river with a pan like you are living in 1851, panning for gold. Yes, we're going to pan. We're going to see if we can pull it off. We're taking the Raffi, the dog, and we're going to see if we can actually find some gold nuggets. But I tell you what, what's full of gold nuggets is this show. And of course, we never know if it's a good program until we get to the end. So we'll see how we go. But uh, welcome back, all you urban property investors. And of course, if this is your first time tuning into the show, welcome aboard. Play the program in double speed. Get your life back. All right, let's have a good little chat about some of the signals I'm certainly seeing inside of the real estate market and how it connects to the concept housing is the theory of everything. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, what I think is quite interesting right now is we are seeing the pricing power of real estate unfold. Obviously, you know, we have a certain level of income inside of what we can earn from a wage. And of course, for most people in society, they are choosing to look after their house, uh, feed themselves. And we are starting to see off the back of 
housing being the theory of everything, retail spending drop and arguably a retail recession unfolding. And really, this is something I've been suggesting uh, is going to unfold for a, for a while now, that really we are now in a two-speed economy where really the real estate market is going to get the lion's share of people's money from that back pocket. And what will actually suffer is retail spending. And of course, retail spending is connected to discretionary items. The idea that you know, you need a new pair of Nikes. You probably don't. Uh, the ones you've got are perfectly fine. And of course, uh, we are starting to see the numbers drop inside of the economy around retail spending, which of course, uh, retail spending is a big component of our overall GDP. And so we might even see that pull back the overall uh, GDP growth inside of the economy. And of course, if people are starting to spend less on retail goods, it will have a effect. But interesting enough, we are seeing really a two-speed economy where the property market is seemingly doing very, very well. All this is telling us, again, is inverted commas, housing is actually the theory of everything. People will put their money into property first. Uh, they'll even go hungry before they lose their property uh, inside of the property marketplace, which is so fascinating to me. And when we think about how real estate interfaces with human beings, it it really is the theory of everything. If you think even today, people don't have large families because of the cost of real estate. Uh, you know, today people are choosing to have one, two children max because a lot of the cost of their livelihood goes to the real estate economy. The theory of everything connects to just about everything you can imagine in uh, off the back of real estate. If you think about obesity, a lot of people who actually are uh, suffering from bad food and and uh, the idea of obesity quite often lived very far away from where they work. They spend a lot of time in their car. They spend a lot of time on public transport. They don't get to look after themselves enough. So health issues are connected to the theory that housing is actually the theory of everything. And obviously, productivity is connected to it. It's very much connected to it. You change the price of money connected to housing, you're going to stifle productivity inside of other places. And really, retail spending is one of the big productivity, uh, I guess, losers of the current state of affairs. And of course, uh, I've seen this in the past whereby uh, in tougher times, discretionary items become less valuable and even discretionary property. And of course, one of the ideas around real estate is a lot of people have holiday homes and I've been a big advocate to say, don't ever buy in sleepy little towns full of holiday properties because in a downturn, they're the first to go. And really, when I look back at the last sort of downturn, whereby uh, there was significant slowdown occurring, it really was around that GVC period. And you had 
Uh, places like Port Douglas, which is sort of north of Cairns, if you're not familiar with it, I mean, just about every third house was up for sale in that marketplace because no one actually lives there. People just have holiday homes. Well, sure, some people live there, but for a lot of people, they have holiday homes in that marketplace. And of course, if uh, tightening the back pocket is part of the game, then, uh, you know, you get rid of your discretionary items. Why? Because you protect uh, what's important. And the theory of housing is really important when it's a roof over your head. And even if we examine the rate of sale, which is unfolding at the moment, there's a lot of property investors actually giving up their property investment. Perhaps when they bought the property, they weren't really across the numbers that they needed to have to support the asset. Uh, Perhaps they were too negatively geared, but actually a lot of the property going to market at the moment is property investors who arguably as well uh, see property investment as something discretionary as an add-on to their world. And of course, uh, for a lot of other people, it's like game on. The marketplace is looking really, really strong. And interesting, when I sort of factor in what I'm up to, for me, it's about raising as much cash as possible to buy as much as I can, because I do think the property market has a strong outlook. And again, it's probably very two-tiered to where we are when it comes to, for example, uh, the retail recession, which is unfolding. There very much arguably is a retail recession. If you go to the mall, uh, pretty well, you can buy shirts and and shoes and, and gadgets 40 to 50% off. There really is sales are happening. So for me, I've looked at even my discretionary items in my household and said, well, you know, what can I actually offload to grab some cash to pump it back into the property marketplace. Now, I actually just offloaded a car that I don't need because I've got some other cars. And with that money, I am circling around to throw a deposit down on some Australian property. I think there's an interesting uh, level of signals unfolding for me, which connected this concept that housing is actually the theory of everything. Now, remember, if property markets do well, we get this kind of theory of everything wealth effect. If uh, property markets don't do so well, we also get this kind of wealth contraction effect, which again is really all connected to the idea that housing is I'll say one more time, the theory of everything. So uh, interesting enough, I personally am seeing when it comes to the property market outlook for say 2024, good credit availability. It's not hard to get a loan as long as you can service. Obviously the price of credit is right now at the time of recording at probably it's high. Uh, The future price of credit is going to come back you know, after contraction comes expansion, but after expansion comes contraction. 
obviously employment's going to remain very low uh, over the uh, sort of shorter to medium term future. And really, you know, we're not talking anything horrible inside the employment figures. You know, when I left school, unemployment was 11%. Uh, you know, we could see unemployment rise to about 4.5%, which is really what the Reserve Bank is looking for, a little bit less pressure on uh, the jobs market and wage growth. And uh, so when we look at uh, the future, it's looking pretty rosy for the property marketplace. Population growth strong, lots of new people coming to the country. Uh, there's a new person created every 47 seconds inside Australia. Now, I've been monitoring the population clock for 20 years. I have never seen it this strong, whereby we are increasing at a population rate so, so quickly. It is really, really fast at the moment. And all of this, again, links to the idea that property or housing is really the theory of everything. You put more people in your economy, you sell them more houses, and uh, the Australian economy goes around. And of course, you know, we know that 60% of Australian jobs are connected to property. So it's important that property actually turns over. It's important that property is produced because of the fundamentals or the demand factors that are linked to Australian real estate. And one demand factor is obviously people coming to the country and new uh, Australians being born and reaching that age where they can borrow money and, of course, buy real estate. Now, certainly as new migrants come to the country, they don't just get off the plane and buy any property. They rent for a long period of time and eventually uh, decide to find a place where they want to call home. And so, again, migration is connected to housing, which is the theory of everything. And, of course, when we look at the supply factors, there is no oversupply. There is a real undersupply which is really connected to the real estate economy. There is not enough real estate being produced. Now, this is also a big conversation piece because when we look at the cost to produce real estate, it is now out of sync with what real estate cost to buy if it is already existing or established. In other words, much of the supply which is due out into the future is disproportionately higher than the supply which is available today. And of course, this is interesting. This really does get my spidey senses uh, tingling because, again, housing is the theory of everything inside of Australia. And so if we look at the cycle, obviously the cycle has different parts. There's generally sort of four parts to a property market cycle. You've got the bottom where there's really little uh, activity of economic growth. We're probably seeing that now, more sort of economic slowdown. Uh, there's no new supply produced uh, because obviously there's there's just not the demand for it at 
that point of the cycle. But also we see rent skyrocket because there's just less product produced. Um, and of course, this has an adverse effect on the rental marketplace. Eventually, the market begins to recover. The property or established market firms up to the new supplied part of the market. And this is an interesting set of fundamentals whereby I think government, even banks, are going to engineer some growth which will unfold because of the problem that we are facing that you cannot produce new supply because the mathematics doesn't work. So let me uh, dig into that a little bit more, but I'll just finish by explaining really the cycle and the different phases of the cycle. So we've got the bottom and then we've got this recovery phase where the established market and the new construction market sort of meets up and uh, really the confidence level starts to return, particularly for developers and producers of property to basically deliver their stock without problems. And of course, the biggest problem to deliver stock is price. And if price doesn't equal where the demand is, then stock is never produced. So we're at an interesting junction, which I think is going to potentially see housing again, create an economic uh, windfall for those in the property market. And I'll explain my rationale um, as we go on. But of course, eventually the real estate markets start to expand and uh, you get this sort of hot kind of level of activity. Um, obviously, when there's buyers restrained from the market, they sit out of the market, but they still potentially want to buy and eventually they come back to the market. And you get this kind of final phase where things are booming or way too hot. Now, we're certainly very, very far away from an overheated real estate market. We've obviously been through that, certainly if you go back about a year and a half. But we are at a point in the economic cycle of property that new stock cannot be produced to mathematically work. And I spend a lot of my time, really uh, a big part of my job is analyzing development applications and supply uh, approvals to find products or real estate, which I believe is going to create a financial outcome for property investors. So I look at a lot of the new construction real estate being produced, and I can tell you that... Uh, 90% of it does not mathematically work. It would not make a great property investment today. And of course, arguably, it won't actually get off the ground because the maths doesn't work. Again, connecting to the idea that housing is actually the theory of everything. In other words, uh, for more migration to come to Australia, for people to have a roof over their head, we actually need uh, real estate. Otherwise, why would someone migrate to Australia? Why would you come to Australia if the cost of living is too high, if, um, you know, 
you have to spend all of your wage on rent. Why? Why is that a impressive offer to a skilled migrant from another place? Why would you leave Berlin to live in Sydney if it's five times the cost of living? So again, we are now starting to see this world, which is very interesting to me. I'm seeing signals that we are in a two-speed economy, a retail recession, but a property market which is potentially poised for future growth. And a lot of that growth is connected to the idea that the powers that be actually need the wealth effect to unfold for real estate to actually go up in value to meet the ability for supply to actually be produced. So what do I actually mean by that? What uh, am I seeing which is a real challenge? So if you look at the supply levels for 2024-2025, they are ridiculously low. And when I look at the price of that real estate, it's some 20% more than what the established market is today in Australian real estate. So why on earth would someone pay 20% more for new property being produced in tomorrow's property cycle than they would just to, to pick up an established property? Now, again, uh, when what I'm targeting, I'm looking at the value of that value chain, what actually works, and most of it doesn't work. So NAB just came out with an interesting prediction when it comes to capital growth. They are obviously a big four bank here in Australia, and they've come out with basically 24-month figures. And so from basically uh, 1st of July 2023 all the way up for two or 24 months, their prediction is that the Perth market will do 13%. 13% growth. Uh, they predict Sydney will do 12% growth. They predict Melbourne will do 10% growth and Brisbane 9% growth over a 24-month period. Now, this is quite fascinating to me because when we look at also the inflation figures, they're sitting circa at about 6%. So if you don't own real estate or you're not buying real estate, you're getting steamrolled by inflation. What the dwelling price forecast indicates to me is that property is keeping pace with the inflation rate, meaning uh, you're obviously hedging inflation by owning real estate or buying real estate. But also what it tells me is that the fact that NAB has come out with a capital growth rate forecast, which is quite impressive, like if the real estate market goes up 10, 12, 14, 15%, what's going to happen is it's going to unlock supply 
because all of a sudden the maths and the delta or the gap or the differential is actually put closer together. So what happens is the established market goes up 12%, unlocking basically supply, which is constrained at this point because development feasibilities mathematically do not make sense. Uh, No one develops to make a loss. People develop to break even or make a profit. And so when it comes to housing being the theory of everything, the theory is that supply cannot be created until prices go up. So NAB has come out with a positive forecast on price movement. Of course, these are some of the nudges that I often see inside of real estate where really the command economy, which is quite often led by government and big banks in Australia, are really telling us, okay, we're going to give you 15% capital growth, 10% capital growth. Uh, We're going to do that because we need the supply of real estate to begin again because we need migration because migration creates productivity and productivity creates innovation and innovation and productivity are a measurement of the GDP. And again, if we don't have migration, we're going to have labor shortages and supply chain disruption. And of course, uh, obviously, if capital growth unfolds, Um, We're going to continue to have the great housing imbalance, which we already have. In other words, the rich are getting richer, the poor are not keeping up. And really, there's some, some fascinating statistics whereby if you have owned real estate over the last couple of decades, you have made more from property than you would have made from your full time job. And really, this is creating a great divide for people in society. It's almost like if you're part of society and you don't own real estate, you could not possibly have the uh, quality of life that than those that do own real estate. Because when we track the rate of return versus wages of real estate over the last two decades... If you have owned real estate, you have made more from your real estate than your job, which is mind-blowing. And so uh, for the powers that be, they don't necessarily want this to continue to happen. And of course, uh, what is the paradox right now is unless there is growth unleashed to the marketplace then the supply of real estate won't ever be produced. So the concept, if you like, is that we potentially will now see, well, certainly based on NAB's forecast, 10 to 12% capital growth, which should unlock supply. And again, if you own something that's in that supply chain or you're buying something now or you already own real estate, you potentially will actually end up in a place where you're going to get some capital growth. And this is all set in the scenery of a retail recession. 
So I got, you know, a question to you. What if there is one last price boom and a mini wealth effect? Are you actually ready to play the game? Because what is so fascinating to me is there's definitely some sort of nudge that needs to happen in the Australian real estate market for supply to be safe, for migration to occur. And really, I'm also starting to see that really the other theory of everything connected to housing, which is the idea that there is political risk by rewarding homeowners for with more capital growth in the marketplace, um, is that the rental market, if you like, is the new battleground, not the negative gearing market, not the capital growth market. It's almost like government has now admitted defeat to say, well, okay, if you're a homeowner, if you're a property owner or a property investor, just go for it. You've made it. What we're going to do now is work with the non-homeowner marketplace and really create a political narrative around that space so that that theory is worked out and it really, if anything, creates a two-speed economy. You've got the property market, which potentially will go up in value, but you've got really this idea of protecting tenants now and uh, making sure that life doesn't become overly expensive for them. And that is the next big vote winner. And uh, really, when you think about it, a lot of uh, older Australians probably do care about their grandkids and the cost of living. They're living uh, basically uh, a a lifestyle where it's, you know, they've, they've, they've earned a lot of money. They've watched their house go from a can of Coke price tag to a couple of million dollars. Um, so they're not really, you know, they're, they're sort of turning into, I guess, this more um, caring kind of older group of people about the younger group of people coming through the system. And uh, really, I think it's a vote winner at the moment politically to basically protect tenants. Um, I think what is going to unfold is, and you are seeing it, is things like conversations around, you know, making sure rents don't go up for 12 months, uh, making sure that rents can only be renewed Um you know, every one or two years. So you're getting this kind of playbook where it's like, okay, we know we've got to let the real estate market go up another 10%. Let's look like good guys and just muck around with protecting tenants' rights and making sure that it looks quite, uh, you know, look like we're actually doing something for inequality in that space. And so when I'm analysing what is unfolding, you've got some of the premiers around all of Australia really making noises that, you know, there should be rent caps or, um, you know, rent should only be, you know, go up in line with CPI or the rent review should only happen every 24 months. And of course, 
This noise for a lot of property investors is exactly that, just hoo-ha, waffle. It uh, doesn't really make a lot of economic problems for long-term investors because long-term is 20 years if you can only put your rent up every 24 months, so what? But for a lot of other people that perhaps overthink this kind of stuff, they see that as a deterrent to becoming a property investor or a property owner and stay out of the marketplace. And of course, that creates less landlords uh, because less people ultimately end up being a landlord because of that kind of fear factor. And again, the political narrative around it is a bit of a vote winner for the person struggling to keep up with the cost of living. Obviously, the concept that housing is the theory of everything. If you uh, politically engineer a conversation around housing, the theory is politically you might regain power. And of course, um, when it comes to some of really what the future of Australian real estate is, when we analyse even the supply metrics, supply is being broken into two categories, BTR and BTS. BTR is build to rent and BTS is build to sell. So if you can imagine um, once upon a time two houses were built, one was sold, uh, well, once upon a time, two houses were built. Uh, they were both sold. Now two houses are built or two apartments. One is sold and one goes to build to rent. And build to rent is an interesting concept because it really is a way to keep uh, those who have wealth in real estate rich because the product being produced actually doesn't go to the real estate market for sale. So there is no impact on demand, nor uh, certainly um, a demand stealer from those people's real estate. So uh, let's say in my street here, just hypothetically, we add a build to rent property to the street. Um that's never going to be offered for sale. So it doesn't affect my home price, the price of my real estate. Um, if it was a new property built on my street and, um, you know, it was put up for sale and it, you know, for whatever reason, it's new supply and it, and it you know, creates a deterrent um, because of the, you know, it's another piece of real estate to my neighbourhood, um, well, you know, if it was sold for less, it would affect the value of my real estate. And so we've got this kind of new world order created around housing, which, sounding like a broke old record, is the theory of everything. That, in fact, today, government has basically given up on capital growth figures and realises that probably they need the real estate market to grow one more time to unlock supply. And of course, by doing so, they'll also unlock build to rent, which is also part of the supply chain and a mathematical equation for developers to produce. So again, we potentially will see that supply will be produced 
off the back of, for example, NAB's property market forecast, which comes true. Some of that supply will go to build to sell. Some of it will go to build to rent. And again, in the middle of that, we will see this idea around regulatory uncertainty being a uh, you know, a riddle that we all have to worry about. And of course, in the backdrop of that, a retail recession uh, and a two-speed economy of basically money going into the housing, which props up the theory of everything like migration, which is a real thing. We really need hundreds of thousands of people to come here because that theory is tax as opposed to, uh, in the short term anyway, worrying about whether we should buy another pair of Nikes. So interesting times. That's my uh, thought process of why, for example, NAB has come out with a new price forecast. Uh, Even the Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe losing his job, a new governor coming in, uh, inflation seemingly uh, starting to look like it's in control. Will the new governor come in, look like a hero, reduce rates? All of a sudden, that kickstarts the marketplace. The pent-up demand of people who haven't bought jump into the market. We see this capital growth rate unfold 12%, 10%, maybe even more than what NAB has predicted. That unlocks supply. Supply is split in two. Uh, it unlocks, obviously, stock for the rental market and the rental market in the meantime gets protected by the government. These are the theories that I see unfolding. Uh, It's interesting. I don't know about you, but I do agree that real estate is actually the theory of everything. All right, folks, I'll let you uh, sleep on that and we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. And I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.